0: If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be dealing with the first three verses. We're going to kind of go word by word today, so leave your Bible open if you would and follow me as we, as we go through. You remember perhaps that the book of 1 Corinthians is not a systematic theology presentation in any way. Uh, It is a very practical book. It's a book that uh, doesn't tell you what to think. It tells you what to do. Uh, Paul was responding to specific problems in the church at Corinth. And so he sent them this letter, this epistle, to say, Now in that situation you do this, and in that situation you do that. And that basically is the outline of the book. This church in Corinth gave Paul more difficulty than any other church that he had. In fact, some theologians say that this church gave him more trouble than all the other churches put together. Uh, They just had one issue after another. The church in Corinth had no Christological problems. They knew who Jesus was. They knew what Jesus did. They knew the implications of his actions and his sacrificial death. They knew all of that because Paul was the one that had led most of the members there to the Lord. He was uh, leading them, evangelizing them, helping them to grow in their faith from day one. He was having a secular job and preaching and evangelizing and teaching all at the same time. And, of course, uh, to God goes the glory for all that he was about. Well, let's look at verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through God's will, although with Sosthenes, his brother Christian, to the church of God that is in Corinth, made up of men who are sanctified, In Christ Jesus, by divine call, saints, together with all who, in every meeting place, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I wish you grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul describes himself in verse 1 as an apostle. Now, there are not innumerable numbers of apostles. There was just a set few that Jesus had called out. I go to Baptist meetings uh, periodically, and sometimes uh, I'll read the name tag of somebody that's at the Apostle Joe or Jim or Harry and then some name. And I want to say to them, brother, you are not an apostle. <laughs> you might think you are, but you're not. Uh, there was a select few apostles. Well, Paul was called to be an apostle, the scripture says in verse 1, through uh, God's will. It was God's will that he be an apostle. This morning, I want to ask you, the title of the message is, what are you called to be? Uh, You know, that's a very important uh, question. What are you called to be? Well, are you called to be a patriot? I know in the Shumway family there were a lot of folks that were called to be patriots, that were called to be soldiers Uh, for the United States To defeat anarchy, to defeat this evil and that evil. And their lives were well spent. And Janet was right there helping him all the way. She was his uh, resource department. Uh, She would help if he needed something. She was right there. Jim has told me many times that, uh, boy, she helped me every day through all the years. Well, maybe you have been called to be a patriot. I hope so, because certainly there's never been a time in the history of America that there has been more need for more patriots. Maybe you were called to the military. I see Ed Sosa right up here at the front, and I see Spencer right beside him, and I think here are two guys. And, of course, I could go around the room and mention so many uh, that gave a major part of their life to serving Uh, The Lord is being a soldier and serving uh, for those ideals of righteousness and fairness and honesty and democracy. Uh, They fought. They put their lives on the line. Some of you in the house today were called by God to be a great mother. And you have done that through the years. You know, that never stopped. As long as you are alive and your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren are alive, you are called to be to them a minister, not just a mother or a grandmother or a great-grandmother, but to be a minister to them and to help them that they would develop in just the right way and move in the right direction and serve the Lord Jesus through their family setting. There are many in the house today that have been called to be servants to others. Maybe you were called to be a doctor. You know, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate the doctors that uh, give really their lives to help others. Uh, My doctor is a fellow named Rob Baskin. He saved my life uh, by being diligent. About the medication that I was receiving. The uh, other doctor had messed up, and Dr. Baskin stepped in and fixed it, and I lived. I mean, it was very, very serious, and it uh, turned out well because of his service and dedication to being a doctor. All the nurses, if you've ever been a nurse, would you lift your hand this morning? I see one over here, some over there, some in there, some over there. These people serve. They serve uh, their brothers and sisters. They give their lives to helping people, loving people, encouraging people to get better. The CNAs that are here, all of the folks in that kind of line of work, they have been called of God to serve and to help mankind and they need to be honored uh, for their service well it says through God's will in Paul's case there was a specific actual verbal call on the road to Damascus uh, Also in Jerusalem uh, there was direct divine leadership. But the whole of Paul's apostolic activity was determined by God's will, by all the things that he did, the places that he went, the people with whom he visited. God was leading him in a direct and and very clear way. Wouldn't it be great if all of us sensed every day how God is leading us? What God wants us to do with this person and this person and this person and this person. How he wants us to relate to this group, this group, that other group. You know, one person in an HOA can change the tenor of the whole thing for the worse or for the better. And I'm hoping and praying, of course, that you'll be the one there that's carrying the light of the banner of Jesus, that you'll be the one that will be the person uh, that wants to speak out for what's fair and righteous in the decisions that the groups make. We have been called to whatever place we are, and in that place, God can use us in a mighty, mighty way. And as we realize that and as we live that out, it just makes all the difference in the world. Following on now in verse 1, Paul does not stand alone. It says Sosthenes uh, is there. He is not an apostle. He is a brother Christian. Uh, It literally says the brother. The term is a common one among Christians. I'm sure uh, every person in the room that's not visiting for the first time today, I've called brother or sister. I think that's a uh, a great way to talk to folks. That's who they are. They are our brothers and sisters in the faith. And we need to carry that relationship before a secular world. And we need to let people know that we're standing strong for the cross of Christ. You know, they're trying to tear down all the crosses across America. We might need to get these military people together again. (laughs) and Do something about that for crying out loud. It is wrong, just wrong, uh, what's happening across uh, our land. You have five or ten people complain about something, and they feel like they've got to change whatever has been for hundreds of years. It's ridiculous. Well, it's true that this word brother represents the correct relationship between Christians who are in Christ Jesus and all are sons of one heavenly father today every believer in this room we all have the same heavenly father there's not a lot of different ones there's one so that makes all of these cults across America and around the world wrong they're wrong I had about 30 minutes to waste yesterday and I uh, turned on the tv uh, for a break from study and there was a uh, Thing on there about david koresh and the nutty stuff he did in waco and all the people that died because of his nuttiness well it was just uh it was just horrible what he did and what he caused in the life of those others just unbelievable there's only one father he was telling those people that he was the father that he was the god to them and of course that was uh in every way wrong. We must therefore recognize that among the people of God, the ordinary distinctions of sex and race and class, those have all ceased to exist in the eyes of the believer. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We stand on level ground before the cross. Now, that's the theology of of Trinity Baptist Church. That's what we believe, and that's what we practice. That's what we preach, and that's what we teach. It's very, very important. The gospel supplied a new basis of reality and generated a warmth of feeling. Don't you hate it when you're on vacation and you go to visit some church and you walk in. Nobody even says hi, let alone a conversation. Uh, They don't say anything. And you walk in and sit down and they don't have any time during the service that they welcome each other. And then at the end of the service, you get up and walk out. And nobody says, glad you came Good to see you. Nice to meet you. None of that. Everybody just gets up and walks out. We call those cold churches in Tennessee. And we don't want to ever be that. Uh, It's very, very important that there is a warmth, uh, a feeling of love, a spirit of reaching out to others in the family of God. I have said this uh, a lot of times. I'm not just forgetting that I've said it. I'm trying to emphasize it. Uh, I hope every Sunday that everyone here would walk toward the person closest to them that they don't know. If you will do that, then this will be the friendliest church in the world. And that's what we want. That's what we want to be. And I know many of you do that week after week after week. But some of you don't say hi to the person next to you. You know, we want to make people feel really welcome, that we're glad, really glad that they're here worshiping with us uh, today. I like it that after church, everybody doesn't just storm out of here. You know, one of the signs of a strong church is that when the last amen is said or the last uh, hum is uh, song has been sung, that uh, people are visiting, people are talking to each other, they're catching up on the week, uh, they're reaching out to each other, hugging, uh, trying as best they can to. Uh, know what's going on in other people's lives, that shows the strength of the church that we are the family of God. We want to be the family, not the strangers of God, the family uh, of God. We have uh, some single adults in our church. I asked Paula Connors, our church secretary, uh, how many single adults do we have in our church? And she took a few minutes and went through the role, and our role includes those that are regular attenders that have not joined, for whatever bad reason it might be. (laughs) And uh, she counted uh, about 150 to 175 uh, single adults in our church. Because of divorce, or because of death, or because you've never married, we have that many single adults uh, in our church membership. They go to eat lunch every Sunday together. Today it's Applebee's, isn't it, uh, Thomas? Applebee's. Uh, If you don't have any plans for lunch and you're a single adult, you ought to go and join them. Let me uh, mention something from earlier in my ministry. About 45 years ago, I was a single adult minister at a church in Dallas. We had 900 singles in that church. And it was a wonderful ministry, and and I loved it. They loved it. It was great. Uh, uh, We had hundreds and hundreds of people that were saved through that ministry. And I, I tried to train the people. I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go eat lunch uh, every Sunday. We're going to go, of course, we could just go to very big restaurants. Uh, <laughs> we couldn't go to the local subway. <laughs> so uh, we would go to big restaurants, and I told them, I said, now what I want you to do is sit right next to the people that are already there when we go in. and uh, And then people sit across the table from them and people sit down on their left and on their right and as you're talking uh, mention how God is blessed in the service that day and as you're talking mention how many dear friends that you have even there at that table I told them you know pizza places are the best places to go back then Uh, In the 60s, they had these long lines uh, uh, of tables, one beside, end to end to end to end, uh, all the way down the room. And so we would go in, however many hundred of us there were, and we'd all go in at one time. And so the the cooks back there, you know, they would uh, (laughs) just about pass out or something. And uh, we would go in, and we'd sit down around people. And of course, everybody that we sat around, they'd say, who in the world are you people? <laughs> is this some kind of a group? Is there some kind of convention going on? And, uh, and I, I had trained them. I'd say, no, this is the single adult group from the Northway Baptist Church here in Dallas. And uh, we go out and eat every day, every Sunday. And uh, we have a good time together. Uh, Are you single? And, of course, many of them would uh, say, yes, I'm single. say, well, we'd love to have you to come visit us. It's uh, on Walnut Hill Lane. And that's all. That's all you'd say. Well, week after week after week, the Sunday after, we would have, you know, 10 or 20 or 25 people that were there the week before at lunch. And there was a warmth. And we led a lot of those people to Jesus through the years. It was just really a remarkable ministry. Single adults uh, outnumber married adults in America. Did you know that? They do. And if there's a group that we need to reach, uh, and we need to think about what we're doing in, in that uh, way in ministry, is single adults. I was single till I was 50. So I know some of the issues in the single adult life, and I have a real strong place in my heart for single adults because, you know, some churches uh, basically just say to people, well, no, if you're single, you know, we just really don't have time for that. And they kind of push the single folks back in a way. We don't do that here at Trinity. We reach out in love, uh, trying to make you a part of our family. I hate to see people sitting alone at restaurants. If I'm by myself, I'll start talking to the guy at the next table or the gal at the next table. Sometimes they think I'm insane. (laughs) Sometimes they don't answer, but I do it anyway. I just keep doing it, and, uh, you know, hopefully something will happen. We, uh, in a former church, uh, I took a group out Sunday night after church, and we went, we did go to the subway. There were about seven of us or eight of us, and we got in the line, you know, and the guy in front of me was a, a young guy by himself, and I introduced myself to him and shook his hand. I said, do you live around here? And he said, yeah, I live over on such and such. And I said, "Uh, are you by yourself? And he obviously was by himself. And I said, "Uh, why don't you come eat with us? He said, okay. So he came over and sat down with us, and we started talking to him. And he was very talented musically, played a number of instruments. I said, you know, at our church, we have an orchestra. And we would love to have you play in our orchestra. And uh, he said, well, do you have whatever instruments he played? And I said, yeah, we have all those. I didn't know if we did or not. (laughs) I said, uh, come on, and and we'll have a place for you. And uh, he came. And we introduced him to one of our cute uh, girls. And they got married. And we called him Subway Bob <laughs> for years. <laughs> he didn't really like that, but uh, we kept doing it. Well, uh, look at uh, verse 2. Uh, Saul and Paul and Sosthenes are writing to the church of God that is in Corinth, Uh They are sitting around, reading this book. That's what they did. When they got word from Paul, they would assemble together, and someone would read the letter. And then the next day, they'd read the letter again. Because Paul was answering the difficulties that were in the Corinthian church. And he was speaking directly to those issues that had been mentioned. Well, it it bears some particular human structure uh, that was there in the Corinth church, but because it it was made up of men who were sanctified by Christ Jesus, verse 2, it was God's act of sanctifying them. You say, well, preacher, what does that mean to sanctify them? That means that God set them apart that God made them special in his eyes, that God called them to serve him, that God used them to do his ministry, that they were sanctified, that they were separated unto the work of the Lord. That's important. Uh, Not any act of their own uh, made these men into the church it was because god had touched their hearts god had helped them god had led them and as they had joined in and become a part of that fellowship that body of believers the lord had been working with them through all of these situations it was by divine call saints now we've uh, Tom and I both have said this uh, innumerable times, but the word saints here uh, means uh, a Christian. You're a Christian. If you're a saint, you're a Christian. Uh, The literal background of this word is that you are holy. Uh, Every Christian in Corinth was a saint. Every Christian that's here this morning in this service is a saint. That's what the biblical word here is referring to. Holy persons in the sense that they are God's people, that God has his hand upon them. A fellow from Tennessee would say about that, what a deal. (laughs) We're a part of the family of God, praise God. What a wonderful thing. There was a sign at a skydiving club office that said, if our parachutes don't open, your next jump is free. (laughs) Those of us from Tennessee would say, what a deal, what a deal. (laughs) Every Christian is a saint. That's important. The members of the Corinthian uh, church uh, were equal with Paul as apostle in some ways. They were believers. He was a believer. They were serving the Lord. He was serving the Lord. Uh, He was an apostle. He had his place. They had their place, though it was a different place in the purpose of God. It was all being done in the purpose of God. All of us have been called to different things. Everybody here this morning. And God is still, if you say, well, God had not called me to do anything. God is still trying to break through in your mind and your heart what he wants you to do. And you've got to be open to it, sensitive to it, and then follow him in the leadership that he would give in your life. These words uh, say, together with all, pontos, all, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an invocation. This invocation of Christ is made in every meeting place. Everyone, anywhere in the world. Wherever and whenever believers gather, at some point, The name of Jesus ought to be called out. There's no special handshake. We don't have any, you know, like some clubs have special handshakes. We don't have any special handshakes. We don't have any secret uh, password. We don't have that. We just call upon the name of Jesus. That's what we do. That's what defines us. We are are people of the church of the living Christ. That's who we are, and and we're not ashamed of it. We're proud of it because God has done a wonderful work in our hearts and lives. The reference here is to Christian meeting places. You know, my house becomes a... uh, A special place when God's people gather there. We have different meetings of the church in our home every once in a while. And we love that. We want to use our house uh, for the Lord's work. And when people come to your house, uh, the Reguses have people to their house a lot. And whenever the house is filled with uh, folks, it's a meeting house of the Lord. And it's used for his purposes. And it's a wonderful thing. A special thing. Paul is making the point that all Christians share a common holiness. Because they share a common Lord. Paul uh, has in mind here an exhortation that he's going to be giving in the uh, near future. Uh, and he wants the to, to be in solidarity with the Christians in Corinth. He wants them to feel like he's one of them, that he has the same spirit, the same goals, the same ideas that they do, and he wants to pull them together with himself. Disciples uh, in Corinth were different. There were some that had an intense hatred for each other. You say, well, why in the world did they keep going? Because they'd met Jesus Christ. You know, there were folks there that were nice. There were folks there that weren't nice. Uh, Christ was the reason that they came. Christ pulled it together. I went to a USF football game one time. And it was the only one I've ever been to. A lot of the people that were at that game were drunk. I don't know why they'd pay all that money to go and then be drunk, but a lot of them were. I I saw some polite people there. I saw some people that were not polite at all. I saw some people there that uh, were very rude. I saw some people there that uh, were very nice. I saw two or three folks that I had known in various places in that area that uh, were strong Christian laymen. And, and I thought uh, it was good to see them. I talked to each one of them. The thing that drew all those people together that day was the football team. That was the commonality that they had the football game. You know, the thing that, that draws us together is the Lord, the Lord draws us together. The Lord brings us to his meeting house to be a part of the family of God. Paul prays for his readers, grace and peace. Has anyone ever said to you as they left uh, the conversation that they've had with you, well, grace and peace be to you, brother? You ever heard anybody say that? That's really a very nice thing to say. It doesn't get any better than that. Both of these come from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. The ground of all Christian existence is grounded in the grace of God. Peace is the outcome of God's redemptive act. It's the outcome. Grace is the undergirding. Peace is the outcome. When one Christian wishes grace and peace to another, he prays that they might apprehend, that they might understand more fully, more completely, the grace of God in which he already stands and the peace that he already enjoys. We ought to say this periodically each other grace and peace be with you brother grace and peace be with you sister and those that know very much about scripture will know exactly what you're saying about the grace and the peace that comes with almighty god well it was because of that grace and that love and that peace in his heart that jesus went to calvary's hill and was crucified on that cross For you, for me. If you're here in the house today, you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. We want to encourage you to take that stand. If you're here in the house and you're a believer, you need a church home, you've been visiting around, you're here today. We pray that you'd come and join with us and serve with us our risen Savior. The doors of the church are open today. We pray that you would come. We're going to sing a hymn, and uh, we're going to stand together. I'll be right down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand together as we sing.